Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. Good to see all your smiling faces this morning. I want to welcome those of you who are here and those of you who are watching online. And I want to give the Aggie fans here a chance to give a shout out. Whoop! Yeah, wow. I don't think anybody gave the Aggies a chance. They're 5-0, and number one in the nation. Uh, you know, that's Bama's record. The, the Aggies were 3-2. and two. And so I, I was deeply concerned yesterday when a couple hours before the game, I got this text from my son Nick, who's an A&M grad and usually very calm, cool, and collected. He said, Dad, the Aggies will beat Bama tonight. I am calling it. <laughs> and I said, whoa. 10 exclamation points. I said, didn't mom and I warn you about doing drugs, son? <laughs> he wrote back and said, ha ha, dad. 45, 50, or 45, 50, 41 is what it's He was just a few points off. 45, 41, gig him. Wow. So maybe I raised a prophet. I don't know. But uh, being the skeptic I am, when Alabama came back and they were within one, I said, you know what, I could waste the next 30 minutes being purely disappointed, lose sleep, or I can go to bed. So I went to bed, didn't even catch the end of the game, but woke up this morning to text message after text message after text message from my son. So I'm going to go live here. Son, I'm sorry. You were right. All right. <clears throat> there we go. <laughs> well, here's the question I want to begin with. Does God speak? Does God speak and will he speak to you? So our challenge is to take 60 days. And if you didn't start last Sunday, you can always start this week. You can start any time in the series. But 60 days to form a new habit of just being aware of God's presence moment by moment. Staying connected to him, listening to him, and being willing to do what he says. But how do we know what God says? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today today. Hearing God's voice. We're going to be talking about this for weeks to come. And if you missed last Sunday, I really, really, really want to encourage you, go online to hillcountry.life and watch or listen to that message and join in with us because here's what we decided to do. I encourage you to set an alarm on your phone or your watch, something to go off every 60 minutes. Here's what I've done on the iPhone app. There's a countdown timer. I set it for an hour. It goes off. It beeps. And then on the front screen, it says repeat. I just tap it. Very easy to do. But figure out what you want to do. You can do it on a phone. You can do it on a watch. You can put sticky notes all over the place. But the idea is when that happens, you're going to take a moment just to interact with God and let that habituate you to realize that God is with me and he wants to guide me. Now, last Sunday, I told you that Jesus in the word said there's really only one thing that is necessary, one thing we must do, and that is to learn to stay connected to him moment by moment by moment. Because he is the source of love and life. And if we do that, everything else takes care of itself. You remember the illustration? Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. An apt illustration, just think about that. A branch doesn't produce fruit on its own. A branch that is severed from the vine is useless. But when the branch is connected to the vine, it doesn't have to do anything. It doesn't have to force it. Fruit just happens. One thing we must do. And yet it's the one thing that we're not really in the habit of doing. 
And that's why we're doing this 60-day experiment. Every 60 minutes, this is going off. Because if you tried it this past week, you probably realized that we're mostly in the habit of ignoring God throughout our days and focusing on my will be done rather than God's will be done. But Jesus says, if you learn to listen to me, you learn to respond to me, I will produce the kind of quality of life in you that fulfills your deepest longings for meaning, for purpose, for joy, for love, for patience, for adventure. Jesus talks about how we love God best in the Gospel of John. Look at this, John 15, beginning in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And then he says, now remain, that word can be translated as abide or stay connected to, remain in my love. See, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to remain in God's presence, remain in his love. Verse 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Isn't that awesome? Jesus wants you to have joy, the good life, the abundant life. It says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So this is the one thing. I put it in sentence form here. Learning how to walk through life connected to God, experiencing how much he loves us, and loving him by listening and responding and doing what he says. And according to the Bible, then we become friends with the God of the universe. Isn't that amazing? He wants to be your friend. The problem is we forget to do this one thing. And that's why we're using these reminders every 60 minutes for 60 days. And when it beeps, when it chimes, it reminds you, oh, yeah, I'm trying to stay connected to God. Now, hopefully, these hourly reminders are, are not just annoying, okay? Hopefully, they're actually helpful to you. And the goal is not just to pray. The goal is to reorient your life to realize that God is with me, really, right now. And he loves me and he wants to guide me if I'll listen to him and respond to him. Okay? Now, all this begs a big question, right? How do we even hear God's guidance? And let me just say from the get-go here, I have never heard an audible voice from God. That hasn't happened to me. I know people who have. I don't doubt that. But it's pretty rare. But on the other end, I have heard a voice in my mind that's very loud and very clear. And I know beyond a shadow of doubt that it comes from God. And not only that, but for 30 years, I've journaled about listening and responding to God. And literally in my journals, I have hundreds and hundreds of, you know, coincidences, if you will, that cannot be explained away, that prove that God does speak and God does direct our lives. Sometimes not in the ways we think, though. And he'll speak to you and he will guide you if you're willing. And willingness, as we'll see, is very, very key. Now, up front here, let me offer you a few warnings about hearing from God because it can be dangerous after all. I mean, there are a lot of voices in the world, a lot of voices in our head, right? So how do we know if this voice, this prompting is coming from God? Well, think for a second about your thoughts, just overall and how they impact your life. We need to talk about this. And since the playoffs are upon us, let me draw an illustration from Major League Baseball. Uh, back in the late 90s, if you're an Astro fan, you may remember the name Jose Lima. Okay, Jose Lima was the star pitcher for the Astros back then. And he had this incredible two-year winning streak. I mean, he was winning a majority of his games. He was just killing it for two years straight when the Astros decided that they were going to build a new stadium, Minute Maid Park. 
And so they moved out of the Astrodome and they moved into Minute Maid Park. And this really troubled Jose Lima because the left field fence in Minute Maid was a lot closer in than in the Astrodome. And if you know about baseball, you know that makes it really tough on pitchers because the batters can knock it out of the park over there. And this so troubled Jose Lima that in his first time at Minute Maid, he walked out into the mound, okay, looked over to left field and literally shook his head in disgust. And he said to himself, okay, this is by his own admission, he said to himself, I'll never be able to win in this ballpark. Well, interestingly enough, even though the fans were excited about this winning pitcher, this winning team, this brand new stadium, that year, Jose Lima had his worst season ever. In fact, it was the worst negative turnaround ever. He went from winning over two-thirds of his games pitched for a two-year streak to losing over two-thirds of his games pitched that year. Why? Well, what happened to him is what happens to us. What we listen to in our minds, what we think about in our minds directs our actions. What we fix our minds on has the power to direct our life, which is why the Bible tells us to guard your thoughts. Guard your thought life. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 5. He says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Now, this is obviously a battle scenario here. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. He says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Okay, God says, there's a battle going on. But it's not your typical battle. It's not waged with guns or hand grenades trying to win territory. It is a battle for your mind. So in this 60-60 challenge, what we're doing is we're saying, I can't just let my old thoughts run around in my head all the time. I've got to submit those thoughts to you, God. And I've got to listen to see what God has to say about those thoughts. You have to test the thoughts that are going on in your head. Because here's how your mind works, okay? Even as I just shared this passage with you, some of you are going, maybe, you know, I, I don't even quite understand what this verse means right here, and, and maybe it makes you a little bit nervous, and, and so, you know, you look down at your hands, right, in your lap, and you go, oh, man, I've been chewing my nails again. <sighs> That's a bad habit. I've really got to say, I hope nobody notices this, you know. Gosh, I've chewed them all the way down to the core. Man, I'm embarrassed. You know, it's my boss. He, he makes me anxious, right? Gosh, I just know he's mad at me. And, you know, what if I get fired, right? Oh, gosh, I don't have any savings, you know. I'll never get out of debt. I'm kind of worried about that. And, oh, gosh, I can't stand my boss. Man, I'd like to tell him off. You know what I'd like to say to him? I'd like to say to him, right, and all these things are going to your mind. And then suddenly you go, wait, wait, I'm in church. I shouldn't be doing this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, gosh, that was wrong, wasn't it? Right, focus, focus. Look at that couple over there, man. They look happier than we do. I bet they're doing better than we are. That guy on stage, he's still talking. Man, he sure yaks a lot. I wonder what he's going to be doing. I'm already hungry, right? When is he going to get, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing that goes in our heads all the time. It's going on. I mean, our neurons are firing away 90 to nothing. And here's what you got to understand. Your thoughts are powerful, very powerful. They actually direct your life, and they can keep you stuck, or they can keep you spinning around in circles. According to the Bible, they can set up strongholds in your life. In other words, they can lock you into prisons of repeated negative actions. You know, the thoughts like, oh, this is impossible. I can never accomplish anything. 
my marriage is doomed. I'll never meet the right person. If I let them closer, they're going to hurt me. You know, I'm going to fail. I'll always be alone. God doesn't care. No one cares. Right, on and on these thoughts go. And they set up these strongholds. They lock you into strongholds like in a prison to the point where you can't get out by yourself. But we can also allow God's thoughts to permeate our thoughts. And he promises that when we do that, he'll lead us into a life of love and joy and peace and patience and self-control and freedom. So why does all this thinking about your thoughts matter? Because God speaks to our thoughts. He can speak to our minds. But first, we got to take captive those old thoughts if we want to be able to hear God's thoughts. So how do we do this? Well, the Bible talks about several practical ways that God either communicates to us or confirms his communication to us. And that's what we're going to look at over the next few weeks. And I want to begin with the clearest way that God speaks. And this is the clearest way for you to hear God's voice or to confirm his voice. And it's through this book right here, the Bible. Jesus said this. This is Matthew 5, 17 to 19. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Okay, that was a catchphrase for the Old Testament scriptures. Don't think I've come to abolish the scriptures. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything's accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven of heaven. See, Jesus claims that God had been speaking for hundreds, for thousands of years through the prophets of old, revealing things about himself. So whatever we hear should never contradict anything that God's written in his book right here. In other words, if we think God is calling us to lie or cheat or steal or, or break another commandment, that's not coming from God. And this is really, really important to understand because the Bible helps to temper our hearing because we can kind of hear what we want to hear, right? You ever notice that? We can be self-centered in our hearing. Ran across a story about a guy who got a blood test for a life insurance policy. And he had a young daughter who was very compassionate, very sensitive. And he comes home that day and he's got a Band-Aid on his arm. And the little girl asks him, Daddy, what happened? And he said, oh, I, I got a blood test. It's kind of like a shot. And she said, why, Daddy? He said, well, you know, I, I'm going to get a life insurance policy because if I die, then you children will get $300,000. And then it hit him, oh, no. Like, how might the thought of my death affect my young child? And she looked up at him with a very serious face and said, Daddy, is that $300,000 for each of us? <laughs> True story, apparently. But... We can all be a little self-centered, can't we, in our tendency to hear things, what we, what we actually process. So knowing the revealed word of God in this book right here is very, very important because there are a lot of voices, a lot of voices in the world, a lot of voices up in our head, right? You still have echoes of parent voices, authority voices, financial voices, boss voices, coworker voices, the enemy's voice. So knowing the word helps us because we can get a little confused about God's voice. Now, there was an old survey, and you've probably heard something similar over the years to this story, but they went into a Christian school, and they asked the Christian students to jot down some things that they knew about the Bible. And here are some of the things that these Christian students wrote. 
One kid wrote, Adam and Eve were created from an apple tree. Okay, true story. Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. Okay. <laughs> Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day, but a ball of fire at night. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> and all the guys, are, and never, never mind. Okay. <laughs> the epistles were the wives of the apostles. <laughs> and finally, Jesus gave us the golden rule, which says, do unto others before they do unto you. <laughs> You see why we need to spend a little bit of time in this book right here to know, to test whether what we're hearing is really from God. Proverbs 1.5 says, let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. Isn't that what we're looking for? We're looking for guidance. And this isn't just a book. I mean, it's God's love letter to you and God's love letter to me. It's written for us. And the Bible gives us a lot of details about specific things. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. You know, most of us in here, if we've messed up our lives, we've messed up our lives because we've messed with the principle in this book. And then later on, we see the answer in here and go, Oh, If only I had done this first. You want to know how to build a marriage? You want to know the basics of parenting or, you know, how to repair a relationship, how to handle money, how to get rid of guilt or fear or anger? God says, I've written it down for you right here. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us everything we need to know about every individual situation, but it does cover the major topics. And here's a good mental image to help you understand why you need to know the Bible to be able to discern God's voice. I want you in your mind right now to picture a wide ski slope, okay? If you've ever been skiing before, you'll understand this. So you've got this wide ski slope, and over on the right and over on the left, you've got those yellow out-of-bounds markers, because if you ski that direction, you'll ski off a cliff. There's danger there. And so over on the right-hand side, the Bible gives us knowledge about God and his character, what's true about him. And over the edge of that cliff are things that are lies about God. Things that we can sometimes believe, like, you know what, God's against me. Oh, I went too far this time. God God can't forgive me. God doesn't love me. If I follow his will, he's going to make my life miserable. All these lies that are out of bounds when it comes to God's character. And so the Bible helps us to stay in bounds about what's true when it comes to God's character. So that's the right side. And then over here on the left side, the Bible gives us knowledge about moral boundaries. You know, if we're tempted to think that, oh, lying, cheating, stealing, getting high, whatever, that, that, that's okay. Because sometimes we hear, oh, everybody's doing it. It's no big deal. It's not hurting anybody. No, it is hurting people, and God wants to protect us from that. God's trying to protect you from yourself. God's trying to protect other people. Now, within those yellow boundary markers, within those boundaries, there's a lot of room to ski, a lot of room to run around. And even in that, in this wide path of righteous living, God wants to direct you. He wants to guide you. And that's where his voice comes into play. That's where promptings from the Holy Spirit in your mind come into play. But we start with the word of God. That is the primary way God speaks. It's the primary way that God keeps us in bounds. Now, second, another way practically that God can give us guidance is through other people. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 7. 
Paul says, but God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Okay, Paul says that God comforted him through his student Titus because sometimes God speaks to us through each other. You know, I have had times in my life when I was really down, and I can remember praying, God, I just need some encouragement today. And God sent someone into my life that very day to lift up my spirit. And I told that individual, man, God used you to encourage me today. So as we go through this experiment, it's important to find wise spiritual people who know the Bible and have walked with God to help us know if we're really listening because God speaks through other people. He really does. Let's talk about how to tap into the wisdom of others. Listen to these verses. Proverbs eleven fourteen: Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs nineteen twenty: Get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So when you tap into the wisdom of others, you want biblical counsel and you want experiential counsel. You want someone who knows the Bible and has actually experienced the decision you're going through. And I got to tell you, God has often spoken to me through other people. There have been times when a person has given me insight and I knew in that moment, boy, that's coming directly from God. Because I was praying about it, I was searching the scripture, I didn't sense any guidance or leadership from him, and then all of a sudden, this person steps in and says something, and it's like, boom. God used that person as a conduit of guidance. Now, when you do this, let me give you some practical tips. First of all, I want to encourage you to identify wiser, older believers. Now, I put older in quotes, not necessarily meaning older in age than you. Okay, some of you won't be able to find anyone that old, I get it. Yeah, I shared that at Sun City, and I almost didn't make it out alive, by the way. <laughs> I don't mean older, in, I mean like older in the Lord, okay? Like more experience, walk with the Lord longer, got some more spiritual life under your belt, that kind of thing. So find that person, and when you find that person, approach their time as a gift. Proverbs 25, 17, I love this passage. Don't visit your neighbors too often, or you will wear out your welcome. <laughs> few of you need to put that on your fridge. <laughs> now, when you find this person, be wise in how you access their time. Like, don't call them with everyday decisions. I'm going to buy a car. Should I buy the red one or the blue? No. Just when you find the person, take the big decisions. Big decisions now. Tap into that wisdom. And then third, submit your life experiences for someone else to learn from. This is big. Folks, can I say this to you? In your life, you have hurts. You have pains, you have things you've been through, and God never wastes a hurt. Some of you, you've had a broken marriage, and it was in shambles, and God stepped in, put it back together again. Some of you, maybe you've had a kid who's run away or been on drugs, and you've been through that experience, and you've been on to the other side, and, and you need to share that. Don't waste that hurt in your life. Be willing to share it with someone. God can use you in a mighty way to speak to somebody else in a similar situation. So God speaks. He speaks through his word, the Bible. He speaks through other people and their wisdom and experiences. But what about when you need specific guidance on certain decisions? Like you've already taken a look at the word. It doesn't seem to be morally out of bounds. Where do you turn next? Okay, that's where we get to the next level of being able to listen for God's promptings, inner thoughts, what the Bible calls a still, small voice. 
We're going to talk about that next week. And I recognize it gets a little tricky here. But God has not changed in the past thousands and thousands of years. Okay, God has not changed. And he still has ways to communicate truth to our minds. So you won't want to miss next Sunday. But as I wrap up today, I, I just want to encourage you one more time. If you haven't already done so, jump in. Like give this 60-60 challenge a chance just for 60 days. Okay? Never too late to start. Why not just go for it and see what happens? And again, what are we doing? We're setting a watch. We're setting a phone to go off every 60 minutes. Or if you prefer, just put sticky notes all over the place. And, and when that reminder notice pops up, the alarm goes off, or you see those notes, just pause. Take a few moments just to debrief with God. And what you want to do is you, you want to ask the question, what thoughts have I had this last hour? And have I ignored them or have I listened to them? And you say to God, God, all these thoughts in my mind, I'm submitting them to you. Guide my thoughts and help me to know what's true. Now, those prompting thoughts, they may nudge you to say, I'm sorry to a hurting spouse. Do it. They may prompt you to encourage a coworker or ask a question or share something in your life or share your faith with them. Do it. Just for 60 days, do it and see what happens. And what do you got to lose? Because you might just gain encountering the living God. That's what he wants. He wants you to know that he is so, so real, and he's right there with you. Pray with me. Lord, if we will take you seriously, when in John 15, 5, you said, apart from me, we can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from you. Because we're branches, and we're supposed to stay connected to the vine. That's the way we produce fruit. And I know that this is going to be a process. I know for me, it's been quite an interesting process, even over the last week, to be prompted hour after hour after hour. So God, help us to grow in this, not to grow weary, not to give up, but to keep doing it, keep trying it, and to recognize that more and more and more we will understand your presence. We'll lean on that. We'll see you working all around us, and we will have joy like never before. We'll have fruit in our lives like never before. God, always remind us to test everything against your word and to have wise people in our lives that we can bounce things off of because we can get self-centered in our hearing. And there's our own voices. There's the world's voices. There's the enemy who plants thoughts in our head. So God, this is territory where we absolutely, absolutely have to rely on you. But we believe this is your calling for us. We believe your spirit is powerful enough to do this. And I pray that as we do this experience together, that it would transform Hill Country Bible Church, transform my life, transform the lives of my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, set those clocks to go off every 60 minutes and have a great week.